All right, Exodus chapter 34. Uh, if you're new here, uh, I just want to kind of catch you up. We've been on a 14-day prayer intensive. Um, a prayer intensive is when you commit to praying um, in a in a certain uh, at a certain level of consistency uh, that maybe you can't sustain for an entire year, but you can do it for two weeks. And so today is the conclusion of that intensive. But I want to say, uh, for those of you that have been doing it and you feel taller, you feel stronger, uh, you're more at peace. I just want to share with you: you don't have to stop. Okay, you don't have to stop. And uh, I, I just for for those of us in this room uh, that need to hear it once more, let me just share with you that there are certain needs that we have that we've had for a long time. And the reason why we still have them is because it's beyond our control to fix it. It's beyond our control. And some of us have issues, problems, um, we're anxious about something, would like to be able to fix it, and we would have already fixed it if we were able to. But there's a lot of issues, there's a lot of problems, there's a lot of concerns. They're just beyond us. And this is where prayer comes in. And I want to just emphasize just for a moment, how many people here, you like lists, like things to do lists. You love, you're just a list guy, a list girl. Come on, let me see your hand. You, you love lists. I love lists. Sometimes when I'm in a meeting and somebody's taking a list, I just start taking a list too, just because I like to make lists. But here we go. Let's just say we've got a, uh, your, your things to do list right here. And uh, I recently read that the most productive people on the planet are people who make their things to do list uh, a day before. Uh, so let's just say we're going to make a, a random things to do list for tomorrow. Um, and uh, I'm just going to put it just randomly here. Let's say, uh, number one, uh, we need to, uh, to call back uh, the people that we were supposed to last Friday. All right, just hypothetically speaking. Um, number two, uh, let's just say uh, we need to uh, read over that report that we were supposed to last Friday, okay? Um, and uh, let's say here, uh, number three, we need to go to HEB because we are feeding our dog cereal right now. <laughs> Anybody? Have you ever not gone shopping so long that you're feeding your dog cereal? Anybody? Come on, let's get real. Let's get real. You start throwing them bread, you know? You start throwing them bread, hoping that it's going to expand in their stomach or something. And, and so here's just a random uh, things to do list. And here we go. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, let's, we got to have that meeting with whoever. Um, and uh, we got to pretend like we want to be there. So let's put an asterisk next to meeting. Um, we, we've got things that we got to do. A lot of these things are revolving. They're things that you got to do every day. Some of them are once a week. Um, some of them are bi-weekly. But we've got this things to do list. And, and if I can just stress this with every passion, with every fiber in my body, to the very best of my ability, and I'm just going to forewarn you, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach this message today as if it was my last sermon I'm ever going to preach, okay? I'm just going to forewarn you, okay? Uh, if this is the last sermon I'm ever going to preach, I'm just going to say this, that above all this, more important than all of this, we have got to, 
pray. Let me emphasize what I just said earlier. I want to make it real easy for you guys to read. Pray. Let me emphasize what I said earlier. There are are certain things that the needle hasn't moved in our life in that particular category in weeks, in years, in months. The the needle hasn't moved. Uh, For example, the marriage has not gotten any better in the last two years. It's been in trouble for two years. It hasn't gotten any better in the last two years. Your relationship with your, your child, your son, your daughter... You've tried, you honestly have tried, it hasn't gotten any better. You you don't want to complain about your job. I'm just throwing out examples here. You don't want to complain about your job because you see the unemployment numbers. And so so deep down inside, you know you need to be thankful that you have a job. But the fact of the matter is, is you don't like your job and the job isn't delivering what you needed to deliver. But the needle isn't moving. In each of those categories, you want it to change. You want it to change more than you want anything. You would do anything if you could. Here's the reality. The needle will not move in certain areas of your life until this happens right here. Until this happens. If you don't hear anything else this morning, let me just tell you that God is pulling you individually. He's got his hand on your heart and he's pulling you individually towards him in a way to where he's showing you on a very personal basis that prayer can no longer be the last resort. It now has to be the first option. he's, He's establishing that in you. See, you can argue with lessons. Like if you learn a lesson psychologically, mentally, you can argue with a lesson. But you can't argue with somebody if they have had an experience. And right now, many of us in this room are in the middle of an experience. Meaning that the needle is not moving. And and he has pulled you into that season. He has pulled you into that. He told the children of Israel, I have brought you to the wilderness to seek me. Now, Now, the wilderness is not a happy place to be. The wilderness is not a place that you volunteer to go. But he's saying, I brought you here to seek me. See, he's, he's brought us here very individually. If, if we were not talking in church, we were at Starbucks. And I were to say to you, tell me about your life. Where are you at? Just, just talk to me. And, and just work with me here. Let's just say you were transparent and you're going to tell me where you are. There's certain worries, concerns, anxieties. The needle isn't moving. I want to say this right here. Yes. You can't substitute that. You can't substitute it. it uh, you know, if you take all the countries and put them on a list, all the Western world countries, of all the Western world countries, the United States has more people sitting in church this morning than any other Western world country. Amen. Americans, especially Bible Belt, Texas, etc., we're good at going to church. We are awesome at going to church. Churches around the country are filled right now. In the Woodland Spring, Conroe, Tomball, on every single corner, it's either a bank or a church. We're good at going to church. But here's the thing. Going to church does not substitute this. It doesn't. Church 
complements a prayer life. It can't take the place of a prayer life. People who show up to church without a prayer life are always disappointed with church. They won't say it out loud. They won't say church is boring. They won't say that because they feel like they're talking about God. So they won't say it out loud. But the reality is, is that their schedule reflects that. I would go to church, except it's dove season, baby. I would go to church. I would. I would. I really would. But I got to work the banks of the lake. I got to work the banks. I got to work the banks. I got to work those banks. I got to work those banks. You see that tree right there, son? You see that tree? Put it right there, right there. Oh, shoot. (laughs) That's just my life. But working it. Our practice, our patterns reflect our attitude. Our true beliefs are not what we say. Our true beliefs are only seen by what we do. You can say anything. You can even do anything. I can go stand in my garage and call myself a Ferrari. Being in church does not make you a man or woman of prayer. Now here's the question. If you're going to pray, you got to commit to it. You got to want it like you like you got to want it. Um, football season has recently started, and uh, any college football fans in here? Anybody? Let's just see who we're talking to. I, I just want to know who I'm talking to here. Um, it, or, or do we have any Longhorn fans in here? Let me see who we're talking to. So you guys are white. <laughs> All right. We got any uh, rice owls in the room? Cricket, cricket. All right. What about Texas A&M? We got any A&M? Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Call up security here. There we go. All right. Uh, Who else? Baylor. Any Baylor Bears in there? Anyone? Okay, we got a couple Baylor Bears. All right. Um, TCU. Any TCU? Okay. Let's just move on. How about that? Uh, am I forgetting any other big school? SFA got beat like 70 to 7 yesterday. Awesome. Yeah, I just saw somebody go, SFA, and I said 70 to 7. You're like, (laughs) there's a a football coach um, that used to coach uh, University of Alabama. His name is Bear Bryant. And uh, he was standing up in front of uh, his players one time in the locker room, and he goes, you guys got to want to win. You got to want it. You got to want it more than you want anything in your life. You got to want it. And so as an illustration, he, he takes this ice chest. He opens it up and pulls out this little baby alligator. Takes the alligator and he, he lets it bite him on the rear end. And he lets go. The, the alligator is hanging off of his rear. He goes, boys, you got to want it. You got to want it back. The students are like, you got to want it real bad. You got to want it worse than anything, and you got to be able to handle the pain. And he reaches back there and takes his fingers. He sticks it into the eyeballs of the baby alligator. The baby alligator opens up his mouth, and he looks at him and goes, now who's next? <laughs> and, and this big old dumb lineman, he goes, I'll be next, but 
Will you not pinch me in the eyes? <laughs> Some of you will get that on the way home. <laughs> pinch him in the eyes! <laughs> Some of us have had this thought right here. If, why should I pray if God knows everything? Have you ever thought that? Why should I pray if God knows everything? Here's the thing. He wants to be invited into your life. Amen. He wants to be invited. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. We got to invite him into our life. Here's the other thing I'd like to share with you. More than wanting blessings and, and for him to fight for us, which was such an awesome song that you guys sang earlier. More than that... Don't you want to experience the presence of God? I mean, so many people talk about the presence of God. But what about experiencing it? David said it like this in, in Psalms chapter 27, verse 4. Now realize, David had everything. He had all the gold. He, he was the king. He said it like this. He goes, this, this one thing I want. This one thing I will desire. He says this, to, to dwell in the house of the Lord. I just want to be in the house of God. I want to gaze at the beauty of his face. This is a man who has everything. He just says, keep it. I want to gaze at the beauty of his face. And then he says this as he closes out. I want to seek him in his temple. What has he experienced with God that he's willing to give up everything else? What has he experienced? What degree of presence has he experienced that he's willing to give up everything else? What, what has he seen? What has he felt? This is why we pray. And now here's, a, here's another question. If you are going to pray, what do you pray? Probably 99.9% .9 of the people that, that want to pray, that don't pray, don't pray because they don't know what to pray. Here, I'll give you four, four uh, options. Number one, continue to pray the prayer wheel that we've been praying for the last 14 days. If this is your first day, I just want you to know there's a prayer wheel out in the foyer. You can grab one on the way out. Work through that prayer wheel. You'll cover every single part of your life. Here's another option. Go through the Lord's Prayer. You know, when the disciples looked at Jesus, they said, teach us how to pray. We're praying and not a lot is happening. You pray and things happen. We want to pray like you. He goes, I want you to pray like this. Start praying like this. And he walks them through. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now when you pray this, don't just rattle it off. Say one sentence and if something comes to mind while you say that one sentence, just pause. Like for instance, there's one sentence right smack in the middle of it. It says this, forgive us our trespasses. That's when you stop and say, God, I know that there are things in my heart that are not right. Will you forgive me? The next sentence says, as we forgive the tres those who trespass against us. Just take one sentence at a time. That's when you bring up somebody and say, Lord, you see how hard it is for me to forgive them. Help me with that. Here's a third option. is Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 through 28. Uh, go home, open it up, highlight it, memorize it. I pray it over our kids every single night without fail. In fact, my son was walking through the lobby one time and he saw the monitor of me speaking and he heard me praying it over you guys. And that night he was like, 
why were you praying my prayer <laughs> over the people? He was pretty upset about it. But when you pray this over your kids, over your house, over yourself, it, it, it sounds like this. Now, if you're new to this, realize you can't get around this. You cannot get around this. Just believing in God does not cut it. Satan believes in God. Amen. The good news is, is that praying, you can't mess it up. I tell my kids, man, you're a good prayer. Hey, daddy, you can't be a bad prayer. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I play dumb. But you can't. You can't. One sentence, one thought, one, you can say the same thing over and over again. I love you. I love you. I worship you. I love you. The only thing that's required is fervency, passion. That's why it says this, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Sometimes I'll pray for 10 seconds. I need you right now. Fervency. Now, so listen to this. Here's the numbers um, uh, uh, scripture. You just memorize it. You pray over your children. You pray it over yourself. It sounds like this. I'll illustrate it. The Bible says in, in that chapter, may the Lord bless you. So you just stop right there. Lord, I need you to bless me. I can't bless myself. I can't make good things happen. I need you to bless me. The next verse, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. Lord, I need you to keep me. I need you to keep my wife. I need you to keep my father. I need you to keep and just go down the list. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you. Now, when I'm praying this over my kids, I got my hand on their head. May Now, let me just tell you this. It was very awkward. I'm the pastor of the church. The first time I did this, my kids were looking at me like this. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because I just started doing this about two years ago, three years ago. They're looking at me like this. I'm like, just get used to being awkward because I need to get used to it too. It's not awkward anymore. I've been doing it every day. So it's going to be awkward. Just get over the awkwardness. It's like your first kiss. It's like... Boom. May the Lord's face shine down upon you. I need your face to shine down on me. I need your face. May your countenance be lifted up. I, I want you to smile at me, God. Make me into a person that you smile. Why am I preaching this sermon? We can't get around that. We can't get. You can try. You can try. But how's it working for you? Is it working out good? Are you able to spin all those plates? Job is doing good, 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 good. Marriage plate. Oh, shoot. Spin the marriage plate. Oh, job plate. Oh, geez, 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 geez. Hey, 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 your son just got called at the office for punching a kid. Oh, geez, oh, geez, oh, geez, oh, geez. Work, work, work. How's it working? Is it going good? How about we back up and we just do the best we can and watch God do the rest? How about that? How about that? can't get around it can't get around it you may not be able to pray for one hour but don't let an hour go by without praying just keep on praying keep on praying i'll give you another option open up the book of psalms and read five chapters or read ten chapters psalms is an easy read a lot of those chapters only have seven verses I read them on my phone, and every time I read a verse I like, I cut and paste it to my notes. 
Then when I'm praying by myself, I scroll through my notes and I read the Psalms that I liked earlier. Now you can do that with any book in the Bible, but Psalms is so easy and it builds your faith. These are all options. There's a a, a guy in the Bible that I want to talk about with you. Um, But before I get there, I want to just mention that when we don't pray, we get spiritually sick. You know you're getting physically sick when you stop wanting to eat, right? We love to eat. Somebody say amen to that. We love to eat. When you stop eating, that means you're getting sick. If you don't like breakfast, you don't want to eat breakfast, you don't want to eat lunch, you don't want to eat dinner, I don't want to eat right now. Why, Why don't you? I'm feeling sick. Every time you lose your appetite, it's an indication of getting sick. When you don't want to come to church, when you don't want to pray, that's when we need to pray the most. When you don't want to go to church, here's the deal. There's 52 Sundays a year. Nobody here most likely is going to be able to make all 52. I know I don't make all 52. But the Sundays where you do not want to come to church... That's when we need to come the most because it's an indication of being sick. You know, I recently read that an entire generation was spiritually sick. It was in the 18th century and a whole generation was spiritually sick and they began to impart it into the next generation. You know what? Our generation has caught the past, has taken the baton from this generation This 18th century generation, they have given us stuff that we still use, and they were sick. They're called lullabies. Watch this. They wrote lullabies that are still saying today that you guys will recognize. And when you listen to what they're actually saying, you go, are you demented? And why am I singing this demented song? (laughs) They were spiritually sick. Let me give you an example. Has anyone ever heard uh, the the lullaby, Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep? Let's read that slow, okay? Let's read it slow. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, bless my Lord, bless me, Lord, my soul to take. Excuse me, you're holding a baby in your arms. If I should die before I wake, if you should die before you wake, what? Hello? Who sings that? It doesn't stop there though, does it? Rockabye baby? Ever hear Rockabye baby? Oh yeah, let's read that one nice and slow. Rockabye baby in the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. When the bow breaks, the cradle will fall. And down will come the baby, cradle and all. (laughs) What? People were sick. They taught us how to be sick. You teach what you know and reproduce who you are. Oh, let's keep on. There's an, what about hush little baby? Anyway, let's read that one nice and slow, shall we? Hush little baby, don't say a word. Papa's gonna buy you a mockingbird. 
And if that mockingbird won't sing, Papa's gonna buy you a diamond ring. And if that diamond ring turns to brass, Papa's gonna buy you a looking glass. And if that looking glass gets broke, Papa's gonna buy you a billy goat. And if that billy goat won't pull, what's gonna happen to him? Papa's going to buy you a car and a bull. And if that car and bull turn over, Papa's going to buy you a dog named Rover. And if that dog named Rover won't bark, Papa's going to buy you a horse and a cart. And if that horse and cart fall down, you still will be the sweetest baby in town. If our whole world falls apart, by the time you wake up, you're still going to be a little fart. No, I'm just... (laughs) The service was going so good... I just had to add one more thing, didn't I? (laughs) People that are not committed to pray. See, here's an interesting thing. Spirits reproduce spirits. Spirits reproduce spirits. We know that as parents. Why? Because we tell our son, don't you hang out with Johnny. Don't you hang out with Johnny. What does that mean? Johnny is loco. You hang out with Johnny. You come home acting loco. Have you ever looked at your kids and said, where'd you learn that? Where'd you learn that? You know what that means? They went to school. They were around something. They came home and they got But My son came home the other day. His hat was kicked on. He had the, his pants were pulled down. He's like. Pull them up. What? 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 Pull them. I'll beat it if it doesn't come up. You know that nanny show? That that nanny? We're about to lose some people out of our church. I'm just telling you right now. You know that nanny show where the kids acting like little, 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 little crazies? And you're bringing a nanny to settle your kids down? You don't need to bring in a nanny. bring in a nanny we just lost four families just then don't tell me who you are I'm gonna cry about it all the way home don't don't tell me who you are it's all right as long as you bring four families next week to replace them a whole generation a whole generation passed on this demented attitude But one person committed to prayer. One person moves the needle not only in his own life, not only in his own family. Watch what ends up happening here. See, the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 33, God delivered them out of slavery, pushed them through the Red Sea. They're living in the wilderness and they are mad at God. They don't trust God anymore. They're mad at God. They're disappointed in God. They're, they're ticked. They're upset. Daryl and Susan, they're, they're fired up. They're, they're fired up. 
And so God says back to Moses, come up here to the mountain. Let's have a meeting, you and I. Moses is leading all these people. Moses tells these people, I'm going to be back pretty soon. I'm going to go talk to God, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to tell you the answer to your concerns. Well, when he goes up, he says, hey, Joshua, I'm leaving you in charge. Joshua's like, awesome. Moses goes up. He's talking with God. The people start complaining to Joshua. Complaining, complaining. See, somebody that's not used to leading has very, very thin skin. And when you, you, you begin to start caring for people, you have to have the skin of a rhino and a heart of a child. What he had, he had the skin of a child and the heart of a child. So he started hearing all this complaining, and they started telling him, we want a new God. But God isn't helping us. I don't know if you've ever heard anyone say this. We've been praying, and he's not doing anything. We've been going to church. We've been singing. We've been worshiping. We still got problems. We're done with it. We're done with it. That's not a God we want to serve. Do something. We want a God made out of gold. Now, today, in 2015, people don't say we want a God made out of gold. They say, I want a God who cares about me that will get involved in my life because I've been praying and he's not helping. So Joshua says this, okay, 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 okay. You want a God made of gold? Give me all your jewelry. Come on, give me all your jewelry. He melts it down and builds a calf, a calf, so that they can worship this God. God is talking to Moses, and and it's so funny, because Moses tells God, your people, they're crying out, they're hurting. God looks down and sees what they're doing. He goes, you need to get down there because your people are having trouble. They're arguing about whose people. No, they're your people. No, 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 they're your people. You need to get down there. Moses comes down there, runs, runs down the mountain. He comes up over the mountain. They're dancing naked around this calf. Moses asked Joshua, where did this calf come from? Joshua says, I took all the gold, I threw it in the fire, and this calf came out. (laughs) About that time, Moses was like, "You, you, I'll deal with you later. He comes down there and he's so upset with these people that they turned on God just because they weren't getting an answer fast enough. They weren't getting an answer fast enough. So watch this. He says, okay, look, guys, here's the deal. And and this is what happens. Exodus chapter 33, verse 3. God promised them something. He said, go up to this land that flows with milk and honey. But I will not travel among you, for you are stubborn and rebellious. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. I'm so tired of it. You want me to work on your schedule. You want me to do what you ask to do when you want me to do it. That's See, there's something funny about God. He has a complex. He thinks he's God. (laughs) And, And he runs the show the way he wants to and these people were pushing back and so watch this exodus 33 verse 8 whenever moses went out to the tent of meeting 
all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their own tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow in front of their own tents. You got one man committed to prayer. His life begins to shift. His family's life begins to shift. These hard-hearted people begin to bow down and kneel down. Can I just say this? I want to say this over and over again. If you don't remember anything else, prayer moves the needle. Prayer moves the needle. There were three things that I just read about. Number one was the promise of God. See, it's easy for us to come in here on a Sunday morning, to read the Bible out loud, and to say, I know what the promise of God is. God is going to be for me. He's not against me. He's going to bless me. It's easy for us to embrace the, pro the promise, but that is only the first part, is to hear it and embrace it. But here's where it gets interesting. Point number two is the process. Everybody wants the promise, but nobody wants to go through the process. The process is very, very interesting because the process is when the heat turns up. You know, Satan said to God, he said, Job only worships you because you bless him. If you stop blessing him just for one moment, if you are slow on answering his prayer just for one moment, he's going to stop worshiping you. Do you know that that deal still happens today? See, it's during the process that faithful people are separated by unfaithful people. It's during the process where we begin to see the people whose heels are stuck in the ground. You know, the Bible says this, that as long as you're on this earth, you're going to have trouble. Hell laughs at some because it's like, oh, they're going to get serious about God. Here, here's an arrow of trouble. Pew! We won't be seeing them on Sunday anymore. They won't be praying on Sunday anymore. Hey, they're praying. He's praying in his car. Send them one problem. He'll shut up. It's during the process. Yeah. It's the process. The process is mundane. The process is lame. The process is slow. It's kind of like when you took piano lessons as a kid. Anybody take piano lessons as a kid? Uh, guitar lessons? It's like learning the scales. <coughs> da -da 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 -da. Robert, where are you, Robert? Come on up here and, and, and just, just play the scale, a, a scale. Now, now this, is, this is what's interesting. Is scales are mundane and boring. Scales is, is what Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, that's what scales are. Scales are when you have to do the same right thing over and over and over again when you don't feel like it. It's a scale. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Wake up, get the kids ready for school, pack their lunch, sit in car line, come home, get dressed, 
come home to an apartment that's empty because you're single. Monday, Tuesday. Excited on Sunday. Same old job on Monday. It's the scale. Can we get real this morning? Is it okay to get real? I know we like to get excited at church, but can we be real for a minute? The scale, the boring part of life, the mundane part of life, the stinky part of life, the part that, of life that nobody likes. Everybody wants to rock like Led Zeppelin. Nobody wants to learn the scales. You know why? Because the scales are the mundane. How's your marriage doing? We're working on it. How's your job going? I'm working on it. How's the job search going? We're working on it. How are your kids doing? We're working on it. How's that diet coming along? Mind your own business. <laughs> Shut up. It's mundane. Hey, you're going to church now, huh? How's that going? Going, man. How's it going? Hey, how's that, that, that private part of your life that nobody knows about? That if people did know about it, you'd be ashamed and embarrassed. How's that going? I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. Scales. Hey, you've been believing God for that promise. Remember point number one, the promise that, that God's with you. He'll always be for you. Yeah, how's that going? Just keep on praying. How long have you been praying? I don't know. I lost count. Has it gotten any better at all? Scales. It's the process. We hate the process. Can't stand the process. How long have you been unhappy? It's been a while. It's the process. It's scales. You got the promise. You got the process. But after you do scales for a little while, if you're faithful, if you can stay faithful, you begin to start progressing the chords. Chords are nice. All of a sudden, after the process, sometimes the process is a week, sometimes the process is four years. Now people are like, hey man, that's awesome that your marriage is doing so good, man. I'm going to do that same thing. Are you ready for the process? Hey, man, that's an awesome job. I want one of those. Are you ready for the process? I went two years of passing out resumes. Are you ready for the process? Everybody wants what you have, but nobody wants to do what you did. Absolutely. You know, you know how many people have come into this church and said, oh, you and Allie used to be at Lakewood with Pastor Joel, and then you just decided to start a church? You know what? I feel the call of God on my life. I feel the anointing. I'm going to start a church, too. <laughs> Happens all the time. Happens all the time. Some of you got called this week. Hey, you want to come with me? Leave Frankie. He's a bum. It happens all the time. All the time. I know it sounds crazy, but it happens all the time. They don't know. You want this. The, some of the nicest people in the state of Texas. You want this. You don't want to go downtown and work for two years like I did. Allie was a real estate agent. I was in sales. Everybody's getting hired. The worship leader's getting hired. Everybody's, I'm working. Allie's working. Everybody's working. 
The children. Now, hey, Frankie, we can bring you on staff now. Well, well we got to hire a children's pastor now. We got to hire a secretary now. You know, we were the last ones to get hired. Everybody wants to be a part of a sweet church, but nobody wants to build it. Here's the thing. Everybody wants what you are going to have because you've got the fortitude for the process. And they're going to talk to you. They're going to talk to you. Hold on. Hold on. They're going to talk to you in 12 months. They're going to talk to you in 24 months. And they're going to say, wow, wow. And you're going to go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't get it too excited because I'm still tired from the process. I'm still tired from the process. But then all of a sudden when something clicks, something clicks, you're not doing chords anymore. Now it's starting to feel good now. It's starting to, the marriage, something happened. I don't know what happened. He just called me up one day. She just called me up one day. My son just called me. Something happened. Boom. I don't know what happened. There's the promise, there's the process, and then there's the presence. Let me explain something to you about process and presence. You don't have to go through the process in order to experience the presence because his presence is in the process. That's why David said this, yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death he is with me he doesn't say once I get out of this valley I know God's presence is on the other end if I can just hang on until I get there if I can just I'm in the shadow of death if, if I can just hang on I know I'll feel the presence no 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 his presence is in the process he's saying you got to go through this but we're going to go through it together we're going to step by step we're going to go through it together you're going to go through the fire but i'm going to be in the fire with you the flood is going to come but it's not going to overtake you the water is going to come but it won't under overwhelm you the fire is going to come but you're not going to be burned the presence is in the process Sometimes we throw our hands up because we're so sick of the process. Hold on a second. Keep your hands up because the presence is with you. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't forsake you. 